From the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery, I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's podcast, AMD and calcium supplementation. 800 milligrams is actually not that much calcium. Certainly, it's below the recommended daily allowance for calcium, which is for adults is about 1,000 to 1,200 milligrams per day. First this. If time and money were no object, you'd probably go to a lot of meetings. Not just ASCRS, but ESCRS, APACRS, AAO, Hawaiian Eye, and Winter Update, and you'd learn a ton. But money is an issue, and time an even bigger one. That's why I go to all of those meetings for you. Speak with the presenters you'd like best, and get them to distill their talks down to just a few minutes. You can see all of these interviews at no cost at the iWorld Replay website. Just go to ewreplay.org, E-W-R-E-P-L-A-Y.org, and enjoy. Patients often ask if they should be taking vitamins or dietary supplements to benefit their eyes. With the exception of AREDS 2 supplements or occasionally fish oil, I generally tell them no. Occasionally, a patient will ask whether any vitamin or dietary supplement is harmful to the eye. Although I caution smokers about B-complex vitamins, I rarely steer patients away from supplements because of a threat to the eyes themselves. Now, a new study suggests that there may be an association between calcium supplementation and AMD. This came as news to me, and so I was happy when Caitlin Kakigi agreed to my request for an interview for this podcast. Age-related macular degeneration is almost certainly a collection of pathologies with a similar phenotype rather than a single pathologic entity. Having said that, risk factors for age-related macular degeneration have been identified. What, what are some of the risk factors that seem to correlate with the development of age-related macular degeneration? Sure. So some of the proposed risk factors include age, of course, and also cigarette smoking, obesity, um, low dietary intake of vitamins A, C, and E, um, zinc, lutein, uh, omega-3 fatty acids, as well as health-related behaviors related to cardiovascular risk factors, um, a family history of AMD, Caucasian race, and certain genetic markers. A number of therapies exist for for macular degeneration. Certainly more are in development. This, however, is not the subject of our conversation today, but rather the identification of a risk factor which may aid in prevention of AMD. What interventions have been proposed to aid in the prevention of AMD or at least the prevention of its progression? Current treatment options include VEGF inhibitors, laser photocoagulation, and photodynamic therapy. Um, the age-related eye disease study also found that consumption of supplemental ox- antioxidants and minerals uh, delays the progression of AMD. I think other preventive measures include smoking cessation, physical activity, and avoidance of excessive sunlight exposure. The biochemical properties of, of calcium are, are protean. And, and I, I think from the outset, it's important to make the distinction between calcium supplementation and calcium dysregulation. Can I get you to describe what calcium dysregulation means, and with what pathologies calcium dysregulation has been associated. Calcium plays an important role in neuronal cell regulation and also function. Um, Not surprisingly, uh, studies have found that changes in normal calcium homeostasis can lead to permanent neurologic damage, 
and excessive levels of calcium can trigger caspase-dependent cell death. So it's believed that the age-related dysfunction of cell membranes and intracellular organelle membranes, um, which are normally involved in maintaining calcium homeostasis, contribute to this neuro- n- neuronal dysfunction and increase susceptibility to further cell damage. Um, many neurodegenerative diseases are thought to be at least uh, partially mediated by neural, neuronal cell calcium dyshomeostasis, including glaucoma, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, Huntington's. Um, so given the previously described pathologic similarities between AMD and Alzheimer's, including things like inflammation and oxidative stress, it's reasonable to hypothesize that similar calcium-dependent pathologic mechanisms occur um, in these neurodegenerative diseases and are particularly harmful um, as we age. And, and is this what made you think that calcium supplementation may play an important role in the, the pathogenesis or, or at least the epidemiology of AMD? Certainly, yes. So what, what, what question did your study seek to answer, Caitlin? So our study was specifically seeking to answer whether or not there's any association between self-reported calcium supplementation and age-related macular degeneration in a nationally representative sample of the United States. Can I get you to describe the design of your study? So this was a cross-sectional study using data from the 2007 and 2008 administrations of the National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey, which is conducted by the CDC um, annually. Our study population was specifically patients 40 years and older who completed the retinal imaging examination portion of the study, as well as uh, participated in a survey regarding whether or not they had um, used calcium supplements during the prior 30-day period. We then uh, took the self-reported calcium supplementation levels and divided them into quintiles and created a logistic regression model that was used to determine the odds ratios of having a diagnosis of AMD um, for each quintile of calcium supplementation compared to those who had no self-reported calcium supplementation. And we adjusted our models for our numbers confounders. So you, you, you've made it clear how you split up the different calcium intake groups. Well, for the purposes of this study, how was AMD defined? What, what, what were your diagnostic criteria? Sure. So in NHANES, uh, the investigators performed fundus photography on all participants aged 40 years and older. And then they sent these images uh, to the University of Wisconsin to be graded by nine experienced graders. Um, there was a preliminary grading um, and then two, uh, and then detailed graders. So the graders used high resolution monitor and um, they referenced digital photographic standards to evaluate the retinal abnormalities. And on systemic grading, if the first two uh, graders did not agree on diagnosis, the third grader was um, involved. Um, so the pro- this process allowed NHANES to report uh, in a database whether or not each participant had early, late, or no AMD. Um, early AMD was defined by the presence of drusen and or pigmentary abnormalities, and then late AMD was defined at, by exudative AMD signs and or geographic atrophy. So for the purposes of our study, we treated participants with early and late AMD as one category that signified whether or not they had, quote, like any AMD, and the other group was comprised of participants with no AMD. Now, any time that you do any study dealing with an elderly population, there's the potential for confounding variables. What were some of the confounding variables for which you controlled? Sure. Um, we controlled for um, age, sex, 
ethnicity, annual household income level, smoking status, um, alcohol intake level, obesity, uh, and then the history of a number of comorbidities, including osteoporosis, glaucoma, um, hypertension, stroke, coronary heart disease, and hyperlipidemia. Now, you mentioned age, but but rather than simply controlling for age as a confounding variable, you divided your control and calcium supplement groups into two separate age groups. What what were the age groups, and why did you do this, Caitlin? Sure. So given the mean age of the participants with AMD diagnosis was 67 years in our subpopulation, we decided to separately examine younger individuals who are age 40 to 67 years old uh, and older individuals aged you know, greater than or equal to 68 years uh, with regard to AMD prevalence based on their self-reported calcium supplementation uh, consumption. So the reason we did this is because we hypothesized that participants in the older group could potentially have a more pronounced association between self-reported calcium supplementation intake and AMD for a number of reasons. Um, first, age is, of course, an important risk factor for AMD, and older individuals, we thought, may be more susceptible to potentially harmful ingestions. Um, aging is also related to the dysregulation of calcium homeostasis, so we thought older individuals might be more sensitive to fluctuations in calcium levels. Um, in addition, other individuals are likely to have taken calcium supplements for a longer duration with potentially cumulative adverse effects. What were your results? What were your findings? Our main outcome was um, that we found that the odds of being diagnosed with having AMD was higher among participants in the top quintile of self-reported calcium supplementation intake compared to those who did not consume calcium after adjusting for the confounders I mentioned previously. Um, our specific odds ratio was 1.85 with a 95% confidence interval of 1.25 to 2.75. You found a statistically significant 2.2 to odds ratio of having AMD for patients self-reportedly taking 800 milligrams of calcium per day or or more. Now, when when I read your your paper, I didn't I I I, I didn't have a sense of how much calcium that that actually is 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 800 milligrams per day is that is that a a, a great deal of calcium that's a great question um i think 800 milligrams is actually not that much calcium uh certainly it's below the recommended daily allowance for calcium which is for adults is about a thousand to 1200 milligrams per day this of course um, includes dietary calcium but it's not uncommon for people i think to be taking 800 milligrams of calcium, supplemental calcium. For example, the recommended daily calcium supplementation for postmenopausal women can be ranged somewhere between 500 milligrams and 1,200 milligrams per day. And given that we divided our study population into quintiles, um, about a fifth of the participants self-reporting calcium use are taking over 800 milligrams per day. Did your results prove different in those two different age groups? Yes. Um, we found that among individuals 68 years or older, the odds of having an AMD diagnosis were higher among participants in the top quintile of calcium intake compared with those who did not consume calcium after adjusting for confounders. And that odds ratio was 2.63. And this was um, this result was pronounced uh, most pronounced for individuals older than 67, um, suggesting that there may be an increase, as I said before, risk of developing AMD in individuals who ingest calcium for longer duration or alternatively have a greater propensity to calcium 
to cause harm in terms of ANSI risk. Um, we did not see a similar association in the younger age group. Caitlin, you, you described the results as not demonstrating a dose response, but rather a threshold effect. Uh, can, can I get you to explain this to me? Sure. So I think it's natural, you know, if one were to assume that too much calcium is harmful, um, it would be reasonable to expect that we would see increasingly higher odds of an AMD diagnosis with an increasingly higher level of self-reported calcium supplementation. However, we did not observe this trend. Instead, we only found a statistically significant association between self-reported calcium supplementation and AMD for people taking greater than that 800 milligrams of calcium per day, which really leads us to believe that there may be a certain level of calcium supplementation above which it becomes harmful or and that any amount of calcium supplementation below that level doesn't necessarily have any you know, increased risk or association with AMD. So just to 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 repeat what what you what 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 your mm-hmm. your findings were, uh, for the lower four quintiles, there was really no association between calcium supplementation and increased AMD risk. It was only really with that top quintile uh, that 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 you that you saw this, and and the the border for that that top quintile you think may represent, or, or, or somewhere near there, may represent this threshold that above which puts certain patients at a at a greater risk, particularly older patients. That's exactly correct. Yeah. Uh, of course, an epidemiologic study like this demonstrates correlation and, and not causation, but it is fair to ask questions about causation in, in such a setting with, with such a study. If indeed there is a, a positive link, a causal link between calcium supplementation and AMD, how do you think this is working on the level of, of pathogenesis? And I realize sure. that's an unfair question, but I'm asking it anyway. Sure. Well, um, definitely, I mean, as we were talking about before, you know, prior studies have reported that changes in normal calcium homostasis can lead to neurologic damage and that excessive levels of calcium can trigger caspase-dependent cell death. Um, interestingly, in one of our prior studies, we noted that there was an association between the highest level of self-reported calcium supplementation and self-reported glaucoma, um, but that this association disappeared when dietary calcium was included in our analysis. So this led us to hypothesize that perhaps um, there also may be a mechanism by which calcium supplementation causes spikes in blood levels of calcium, which are particularly harmful um, compared to perhaps more gradual absorption of dietary calcium. That's really neat. So based on your findings, and, and as, as a clinician, this is really sort of the bottom line for, for me, do you feel that we're ready to make clinical recommendations to elderly patients with regard to the amount of calcium supplementation they should take? I really appreciate you highlighting the difference between sort of correlation and causation um, previously. I think as with any cross-sectional study, we cannot report risk ratios, um, much much less make any claims of causation. So I think at this time, we would not recommend any changes to the amount of calcium supplementation that patients take based on the results solely of the study, um, especially given the well-known benefits of calcium supplementation for other medical conditions. Uh, We do hope that this exploratory study encourages future studies, both the basic scientists as well as the clinical realm, to you know find out what is exactly the relationship between calcium and AMD and to better understand the pathogenesis. The study w- w- was a really, really great study, and I really 
uh, I'm, I'm just super grateful. Number one, that, that you, that you did it, that you, that you presented these, these data. But secondly, that you've been so super generous with your, with your time with us today. Oh, I really appreciate your interest in our work and it's been really great to have the opportunity to talk to you. Caitlin Kakigi comes to us from the University of California, San Francisco in San Francisco, California. Her paper, Self-Reported Calcium Supplementation and Age-Related Macular Degeneration, appears in the July 2015 issue of JAMA Ophthalmology. Ask questions of Ms. Kakigi or any of our previous guests, or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Write to me with your questions or comments at josh at iWorld.org. As seen from here is a production of the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.